Hi, welcome to God Shots, the podcast. This is our first hi. actual, hi, I have an amazing guest today, Darlene Sperlaza. Tell me if I'm mispronouncing your name, <laughs> but correct. Darlene, Darlene is the co, we both discovered God Shots, not, not simultaneously, but in separate parts of the country. And we came together in a very serendipitous way that I think can only be called God, a God Shot. It's synchronicity. And first, I'd like to ask, I'd like to interview Darlene and, and, and find out where are you from and how did you have your first God shot and what is your story? What is your background? How did you find God? Okay, well, my name is Darlene Sperlaza, as Lydia said. I am from a little town called Weirton, West Virginia, that if you look at a map, it kind of looks like this, this being the northern panhandle at the very, very tip. So I'm about 30 minutes west of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So kind of close to a major city. Um, my background is I'm a doctorally prepared nurse practitioner. I'm, uh, I work at a university currently and I created a, a website called God Shots and that's how Lydia and I met. Um, serendipitously is probably <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I created that website about four years ago. The God Shots go way back. The God Shots go back probably about 20 years. I just didn't know what they were. Um, at the time I started getting messages from God, I didn't know who they were from. I didn't know what they were for. And um, I didn't really put too much stock in it until June of 2002. And in June of 2002, um, I've had a lot of tornadic activity, if you will, in my life. Um, ripping and tearing and doing things I probably shouldn't have done and not being the kindest I should have been and not really recognizing any of that, just kind of living in my own world. And um, in June of 2002, on a Wednesday afternoon, I was in a small Catholic church here in Weirton. I did have faith and I was on my knees by myself and I was just praying to God. I'm like, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do? What's wrong with me? Why can't I seem to get it right like other people do? I, I looked at the whole world as getting it right and me as getting it wrong. Right. And I heard a voice, just like you're hearing my voice right now. And that voice said to me, go to AA. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know who it was. I looked through that whole entire church I'm looking under pews, I'm looking in little closets, and I'm like, who's talking to me? <laughs> you look like, under the pews. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea that God could actually speak. Never had, never had I heard that before. And unfortunately, it took me the next 18 months to actually walk into my first meeting at AA. And I look back on that now, and I think that 18, 18 month period got really crazy. Um, my drinking increased exponentially. Um, I felt like I was starting to fail at my, my jobs. I felt like I was failing more at life. And my life dramatically changed. Like when the Bible talks about you change in an instant. Yes. The day I walked into my first AA meeting, which was April 24th of 2004, wow. I became a new being. Now, I didn't know that was gonna be my trajectory, but that's kind of how it happened for me. That's kind of my story of how I got to understand a little bit about God shots. Wow. When you first walked in 18 months later, what was that pivotal moment when you actually did walk in the door? 
Was some, uh, did something happen the night before or was it you hit, hit, oh, hit your bottom maybe? I think I had hit my bottom. And you know what, the weird thing is, um, I never had any police involvement. I never had any problems. I never had any problems with my licenses. Uh, I mean, I'm a nurse practitioner. Um, I'd never had any of those issues, but emotionally I was bankrupt. I just couldn't, I could not find happiness anywhere. No matter how I had everything. I had nice cars. I had nice clothes. I had a beautiful home. I had a wonderful husband. I had it all. And yet I was so miserable and I was just like, something's got to change. And that particular day that I walked into my first meeting, um, I went kicking and screaming. As, yeah. as a lot of us do, when God has a directive, we kind of, no, I'm, I'll do anything for you, God, but I won't do that, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and That's so I, re I remember walking into the very first meeting, and um, I sat there, and the weirdest part of it was, I went to one o'clock in the afternoon meeting, because I thought anybody that's normal will be working. So I don't have to worry about seeing anybody. <laughs> oh boy, there's that ego, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, when I walked in, I listened to all of the people and I thought, wow, they're saying things that I'm understanding, but I don't know why, right? Mm -hmm. And when I got up to leave, I had every intention of never going back. That, that was my thought. And I picked up my purse and a gentleman that became my best friend in the room of AA come up to me, shook my hand and said, welcome, my name is Nick. And I just started crying. I mean, just sobbing. It just all started coming out. And, uh, too. and, and at that point in time, he panicked because he, he didn't expect that from me. And he's, he's yelling for women. He's like, come and help me. And so it was, it was immediately, I was surrounded by this beautiful group of women that gave me a big book, told me I had to do 90 meetings in 90 days to keep coming back. And they took my hand and I know God had them there and just led me every step of the way. Okay. I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills right now because I've never really heard your story. And there are so two huge God shots just happened to me. And by the way, a God shot, Einstein said, Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. And that's a scientist, one of the, you know, the most famous scientist that ever lived. And he could not understand the mysteries of the universe to the point where there was a certain point where he could not explain it anymore. And synchronicity, Jung tried to explain synchronicity mathematically, but it really is this inev invisible evidence. Mm -hmm. To me, every time I get a coincidence too uncanny to be anything, but it, it, it's supernatural almost. It feels like a tingling magical yeah. moment synchronicity yeah. so uncanny and profound that it couldn't be an accident it's not random and i've found that these are i call them god shots you call them god shots and i was very careful about naming it a god shot but i kept hearing this in aa i had so many of these i started writing and trademarking the term god shots in 1994 when i got sober september 11 1994 but the same thing i came into the rooms i was sobbing the minute i raised my hand and surrendered and admitted it, a river of tears flowed out of me. I couldn't stop crying. And then I was enveloped by a group of women that lifted me up. And then the magic happened. Some amazing coincidence happened that I could never imagine happening if I hadn't been in that room. So it's so weird that you had the same, almost the same experience yes. and the same feelings, of course. So go on, yeah. tell me more. Tell me more so about well, so then that journey started in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And of course, um, it was right around that time that I heard, 
you know, like it wasn't external, like I heard the first time, but it was internal, like do God shots, write about God shots. Well, I didn't even know what that meant. So I made a little notation in my journal and just let it be, right? Yeah. And um, so pretty much uh, for the next, I don't know, 10 years, it was just a, a, a wonderful journey. And I just kept walking and kept meeting people and kept doing things. And um, then my life started getting a little crazy. They'll say life happens, right? And you just have to deal with it. So I think it was probably about year 11, I started having um, sad things happen in my life. My sister-in-law that was 35 was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer Mm -hmm. and she passed away 11 months later. Um, On the heels of that, one of my good friends that I was sponsoring in AA gets brain cancer and passes away. Then the man that has shook my hand in the meeting got cancer and he passes away. Then my husband was diagnosed with the same type of cancer. And so I'm getting back to back to back sad things happening. But through those sad times, the God shots were increasing, just increasing. Um, An example of, oh, this is a great example. So my sister-in-law that passed away, she had a butterfly tattooed on her foot. She loved butterflies. And my brother and her had been married short of two years by one day when she passed. So they were very young. It was very difficult. I had been her caretaker. And about, I don't know, four weeks after she passed away, I was riding my bike around the neighborhood and I was just sobbing. And I was, I was just praying, praying, praying. And when I came home, I noticed something under the tire of my car. I'm like, what is that? So I put my bike into the garage and I look and I had to actually back my car up to see it fully. But there was a beautiful yellow monarch butterfly, untouched, wings intact, the cylinder body intact, the antennas intact, there, not alive, but there. It's still to this day in my Bible under tape and has not disintegrated. Oh God! I think it was my sign that she's okay, you know? Absolutely. My friend from the rooms that passed, I had the opportunity to actually sit and talk with him seven days before he passed. And we were talking about, I know this, you shouldn't probably do this, but we did. And it was like, what would be my sign, <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, what do you want? And I said, white feathers. 24 hours after his passing, I opened an envelope that was mistakenly had been in my desk drawer for over a year. And it was, um, it was from a religious organization. It was like a monthly reading book, like a little pamphlet. I don't know how it got there because I usually put those in other places, but it was in with my envelopes that I needed to do some schoolwork with. And I pulled it out and I threw it in the garbage. And then it was like, no, don't throw that away. It was kind of here. Don't throw that away. So I pulled it back out and I looked to see what it was. And when I opened that, that magazine, I wish I had it here to show you, I don't, but um, it had all white feathers over the front of it. And it said, my journey to heaven and the life thereafter. Oh my God. I just, I got tears in my eyes when you said that, when you said the feathers. Oh. You have somebody special with feathers? No, just the fact that you had a God shot that in 10 tenths. I had so many of those. And yes. you have to tell people, people think you're crazy sometimes. And I go, no, it's so, it's, 
if it's so true in my heart yes. and I have visible evidence, I've had actual tangible evidence of miracles. There's yes. no doubt in my mind that this is a God wink, a God shot, a God, a piece of joy for us to share and to realize yes. there really is no death. I know there is no death. Yes. I had so many experiences of that, but nothing right. occult. It's not a cult. It's not something no. weird. It's simply the natural order of the universe. The universe is, we're spiritual beings and we're here in this incarnation, in this life to enjoy, to experience yes. joy and happiness. And, yeah. if, and even the physical senses, we're supposed to enjoy food and art and, and each other, you yes. know? Yes, not a life of misery. It's not a veil of tears. That's correct. So, wow, I That's love correct. that. And so jobs. then, and then bringing it to you. So there's, so I have multiple, multiple experiences like that. And so I, this was just another serendipitous moment that I said, I think I want to put these shot God shots on a website so people can read them and I can have interaction. And I wanted it all over the world. Like I wanted, I wanted to be able to talk all over the world about God shots. Right. Yeah. And so I didn't know how to do that. I'm not tacky. I don't know how to do all this stuff. <laughs> so a friend, in, a friend in AA knew somebody that did know how to do it and connected me to a man that lived in Roatan, South America, the island off of South America. So we, we talked and I told him what I wanted to do with my little short stories and make this website. And he goes, oh, no, I'm not interested. I said, okay. About two weeks later, he calls me back. And he's like, I can't get this out of my mind. I think I'm supposed to do this, right? So he puts this website together. And I know you've seen it, Lydia. So a lot yeah. of my stories went up there. And he did a fabulous job of, of translating it into multiple languages for multiple countries. And it's, it's, it's a very, very um, well done website, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and so this is kind of where our God's talk comes in. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Ah. So I, um, I, I, I really didn't know what to do with that web shot other than to just keep adding stories to it and keep watching the number of people that were reading it and see where God would take it next. And I prayed all the time. I'm like, God, you know, like I'm putting all this stuff out there. What do you want me to do? And so then I get a letter <laughs> from an attorney oh and my it, gosh. Said, it got my attention. It said cease and desist. Oh. And I was like, what? I mean, I've never been in trouble. <laughs> so I was oh, like, God. So I read this letter. Um, I call my son, who's an attorney, and I said, I, I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? And he's like, well, he goes, you really can't do anything. This is trademarked. And he goes, um, I'm surprised because I had done it legally because I'm surprised that nobody noticed this. And he goes, just try to write a nice letter and see what you can work out. And I said, okay. So I write a letter to the attorney and then I get this woman this woman <laughs> that sends me this note and says, call me at such and such time. And I'll never forget it. It was Wednesday in a California number. And I got to tell you, I was like a little bit annoyed because I was like, who is this person that's like going to damage my website? <laughs> I know. I know. I felt so badly about that. Oh, that was so great though, because so for all of you people <laughs> that are listening, it's absolutely hysterical. And it goes to show you, don't ever judge. So I call her up. And, you know, we're talking about God shots and she's like, are you in recovery? And I'm like, yeah. And we had this beautiful conversation about God, about the fact that she was um, looking for somebody to work with on God shots and every, I mean, 
I was ready to go with both guns about why I needed to keep my web website <laughs> and it didn't yeah. go that way at all. And so this is the best part. I had no idea who Lydia Cornell was, none. And so after we hang up, I'm like, well, this woman, if she has a trademark, surely I can find something out about her on the internet, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I Google your name and the first picture that comes to me is a picture of you with your hands on the Hollywood star. Oh. And, I like, <laughs> and I was like, now remember, I'm from West Virginia and I'm going, where have I landed? <laughs> oh my God. So it was very humbling to me because it, believe me, it put me on my knees and I said, wow, this is better than anything I could have ever planned putting together a website. Oh my God. Yeah. And I wasn't about, I, I had this very deep intuition, which I call my God voice. When God speaks to me, it's through, it's a gentle, loving, soft, easy presence. It's, I, it's always the answer that's not fear-based. And I immediately knew we're supposed to work together because you have that beautiful spirit. I knew it. And it was weird. It was like, I wasn't about to haggle over something God created anyway. You know, it's not, I want to share it. I want to blossom it. I want to grow it. And yeah. you're the perfect example of a, a completely pure soul who's got my story almost. It's, it's just a perfect synchronicity. Yeah. yeah. And so it has been an extremely um, fun journey since. And, it's and we're just starting, you know. Yeah. I know. And waking up every day and saying, okay, what's next? And I, I get excited about that. So oh, good. I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah. And there's been a lot of I mean, a lot of God shots since, um, a lot of God shots before, and they keep coming, which is just incredible to me. Have you noticed that you have to, I feel for myself to experience them, and I had a slew of them. I was sober in 1994, now I'm 25 years sober now, by the grace of God. Yay. And I find, I started this, uh, um, a Facebook page called Recovery God Shots. So it's about the kind of things we discover in recovery. And then they, I ventured out into real life and found them everywhere. Mm -hmm. But it's when I'm in a state of surrender, when I'm in a state of peace, and I'm not focusing on problems, politics, worries, fears, um, you know, premeditated anxiety or self-pity. Yeah. I used to say, um, the only medication I'm on is self-pity. That's like one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite lines. But when I'm softly, when I'm really gentle and I'm happy with the world, I'm in a state of happiness, everything, I start seeing them more and more. So tell me some of the ones you've seen or had or you've heard of on your website or um, your most, you know, ones that you've experienced that you love to talk about. Well, you know what, I guess I can, there's two that come to mind and I'm going to start with one that we've talked about, which was um, my cigarette gosh, <laughs> I call oh, my good. cigarette gosh. <laughs> But um, of course, part of my story is like I started smoking at a very young age and I just thought that, you know, I grew up in that era where um, Virginia Slims were all the rage and I just thought that, you know, that helped me to look really sophisticated, I guess. And um, yeah. so, so I did, I smoked for quite some time. And, but I knew at some point, you know, when I was seeing patients and telling them the bad things about smoking that you shouldn't do this. I was being very convicted in my own heart. Like, how can you sit here and tell somebody that and you're going out and sneaking behind the building at lunchtime? <laughs> you know, so I thought, okay, this has got to go. <laughs> and yeah. God, but for, so for three years, it, it's the weirdest thing. And, you know, folks, all I can say is this. If 
God starts knocking, he's not going to change his mind. He just, he'll just continue to knock and make the knocks a little bit harder. So, <laughs> you know, for three years, it was very, um, I kind of intuitively knew, knew I need to quit. I need to quit. I need to quit. And I was playing with this all around Lent. Um, and, you know, I, I would kind of intuitively know I should give up smoking and I would be like, oh no, you know, I'll go to mass daily for 40 days. And I did. <laughs> But that isn't what God asked me to do. It's a nice thing, but it isn't what he wanted. He wanted me to right. So for three years, I did that. On the third year, um, when I kind of intuitively knew that I needed to quit smoking, I just said, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. You know, I've done everything else you've asked me to do. I'm not going to quit smoking. And I walked away, right? And the next morning, I woke up with a stiff neck. And I just thought, okay, I slept funny, whatever. And it kept happening. It just was there, the stiff neck. And um, I had a doctor friend of mine take a look at it. And I had one hot lymph node on one side. Now, for those of you that aren't medical, that just means that I had a swollen lymph node that was creating that stiffness. And so I went, I took a 10-day course of antibiotics and it did not go away. And usually it will if it's some type of infection. And so I went back to see my doc and, and he looked at me and he goes, did you take all the antibiotics? I'm like, I sure did. And he goes, okay, you're a practitioner. What's the next steps? which really sobered me because I was like, well, this could potentially be lung cancer. And he goes, that's right. And I said, so I guess a chest x-ray is the next right thing. And I had fear just envelop me, fear. Oh, man. So he actually had an x-ray room in his office. And I said, please do the x-ray here because I just anticipated this being horrible, right? And um, I got in the x-ray room, he took the x-ray, I'm standing there by myself and I'm looking like at the corner of the room, I'm just looking up in the corner and my knees were like, actually felt like they were going to give way. And I heard a voice. Second time I've heard God's voice and both of them were to do something like quit drinking, quit smoking. And he <laughs> gently said, and it was, you know, that voice that time was stern, but so loving, so mm -hmm. protective, so kind. But the words he said to me were, I told you to quit, now quit. And that was on April 19th, 2009 at 9.15 a.m. Now, wow. you don't remember that kind of stuff if it's not God, right? Exactly. And so the, the, the great part about that story is um, it's very hard. Women have a very hard time quitting smoking. They really do. Oh, really? And, women do? Uh, women do. And um, about six weeks later, the doc calls me and he says, hey, are, are you still not smoking? And I'm like, I will never smoke again. I I just, I just knew, I just knew that that was it and God had spoken and that was it. And, um, he's like, well, tell me what happened in that room. He goes, I need to have a come to Jesus meeting <laughs> and I'm going to go set my x-ray room. <laughs> so, oh, I love it. And so what's what's nice about that is the word of God. It's seeding, it's seeding, you know, and I just love that. And planting I, seeds. Yes. Planting seeds. And you know what the Bible tells us? Some people plant, some people water, some people harvest, wow. you know? And so I just do the next thing that God puts in front of me, whatever that may be, and um, go on to the next thing. I don't try, I no longer try to hang on and do it all. Because oh, good. Oh, that's good advice. Yeah. I just, I had a similar, um, my first year of sobriety, when did I quit? Oh, my baby brother who had had a lot of problems in life. And he was involved in um, 
he never tried hard drugs. And then he tried it. He tried it for the third time. And I, I found his body. I was not quite a year sober. It was the first year I was sober. It was December 1st, 1995. So I got sober in 94. And I remember thinking I could never get my mother through this, but I was smoking. I, I started smoking a lot after I got sober because I was replacing. I have this joke I wrote. I used to smoke. I used to drink. Now I'm using lasagna to cover my feelings. <laughs> so it's like, it, you know, it's just another substitute. It's addiction that, that keeps you kind of distracted. And I was smoking a pack a day almost. And I remember thinking, my brother just died. I'm going to quit smoking. And I went to a meeting and I shared about his death. And it was a tragic moment because he had, he had died of a drug overdose December 1st around the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And then his girlfriend that he had for 10 years, they had broken up, but they were still in love with each other. She was at Neiman Marcus in Dallas as a vice president. She said, I can't believe Paul's dead. She got in a car and drove through the snow through Denver to get to California to come to his funeral. And she was drinking the whole way. And she had a head on car accident and she killed an entire family, an eight year old boy and herself on the way to my brother's funeral. And I, I remember sharing at this meeting and I was so full of this amazing God shots. I'd had so many miracles in my life the first year. I was so almost buzzing with this pink cloud. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, but how come I can't quit smoking? And I surrendered it that night. And I literally, it took me three days to get it out of my body. I was really rude to people in public. I remember giving the finger to someone in a bookstore. <laughs> yeah. I went, what kind? And a, and a woman from Bel Air Presbyterian Church turned around and saw me, a woman that I my children, she was a Sunday school teacher for my kids. And I was giving the figure. And I went, this isn't me, this isn't me. And, um, and then I quit. I completely have never craved a cigarette since. And a month later, I had to do a movie in which I had to smoke and play a heroin addict at a bar and smoke a, a pack of Marble Reds. And I did that and I never went back to smoking. So it was wow. kind of a miracle. But anyway, my whole story is a longer one about that. But that's a miracle that you gave it up and you heard that voice. Yes, again. And I have, I have one, other, one other one. And, and I think when I'm telling these, um, I'm, I, I know I'm not unique. I mean, I'm not unique. They happen to everybody. But I right. think that we have to recognize what they are, take the time to listen. Exactly. To and, um, and, and, you know, so I've seen God in so many facets. Okay, I've seen the loving, you know, go to AA, quit smoking. And then I also saw the power, the power. And that was kind of frightening. And I'll tell you the story. I mean, it was frightening for me because I was so irreverent. Um, but my next door neighbor had gotten breast cancer. And she kind of isolated after it happened. And she was doing chemo. And she wasn't coming out of her house. And, and the typical... Um, sickness, hair loss, weight gain, all of it. She was having it, but she wasn't talking to anybody. So this one particular night, she called me about six to eight weeks into that journey. And she said, can you come over and pray with me? I'm like, absolutely. So I dropped everything. I remember it was winter. I went next door to her house and we sat in her living room for probably two hours. And she was in an oversized chair. And, um, I sat on the couch and we read the Bible. We talked about scriptures. We talked about our family. We talked about death and the fear and the, the chemo journey. And we just talked about everything. 
and prayed. And after about two hours, she you know, was getting tired. And so I said, may I pray with you before I leave here? And she goes, absolutely. And I said, please don't get up. I'm going to kneel right beside your chair. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, she had never mentioned to me that she had a chemo burn on her arm from her wrist to her elbow, right? Now, if you don't know what a chemo burn is, it's very caustic. It's like that um, poison, they're putting it in the vein of the antecubital space goes under the skin. And so it basically burns you from the inside out and you lose your skin and you have skin grafts, right? And um, she was scheduled for a skin graft the next day, which she hadn't told me, but when I sat down, kneeled down, she pulled her sleeve up and I saw the arm and this is exactly what I did. So here I am ready to pray. And I said, you just shut your eyes. I said, I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to pray. And I started thanking God for allowing us to come together, just the whole Thanksgiving thing. And then I got kind of snotty and I said, and you know what? I said, I'm not real happy here. I said, we just spent two hours talking about you, reading your word, putting you in the center of things we always do. She's going through chemo, which is not, and I'm like a chemo burn. Really? I said, you can heal it just like this. I said, why aren't you? And I left it at that. She kind of chuckled and she goes, only you would pray like that. (laughs) You know what? I'm very authentic. There is nothing about me that I'm going to hold back. Right. Love that. So we went on, we prayed a little bit more and I left. Well, the next morning, I'm my bedroom's upstairs. My office is down here. I come down and there's an email from her in my inbox, which I figured, okay, she's going to be saying, thank you. I open it up and it says, thanks for coming over last night. The chemo burn is gone. (gasps) Gone. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So, oh my God. Oh my but God. Here, here's it. the best thing. Like immediately when I read that, Lydia, I was like, <gasps> and I felt so irreverent for the way I had spoken to my <laughs> higher power. I ran from my office up the stairs on my knees beside my bed, sobbing, saying, I am so sorry. You are so real. And this is like, I should have never talked to you like that. Oh, that's <laughs> really cute. And it was really, I mean, I just felt the power. I felt God's power. And so for anybody that's struggling, it's a millisecond. And here's the best part of that story. So she goes for her um, skin graft appointment. The doctor comes in. He was an atheist, right? He's like, let me see your arm so we can see what we're going to graft. And she pulls up her her sleeve. And he's like, no, I need to see the arm with the chemo burn. And she goes, that's it. <laughs> oh my God. And so he's sitting there going, wait a minute. So he looks at both arms. He calls in all the residents, all the physicians that are working, all the nurses that are there that are preparing for the surgery. He goes, tell him the story. So she tells everybody the story about what happened the night before with me praying and saying whatever. And he looks at her and he's like, was your, um, he goes, is your neighbor a witch? And she's like, no, she's not a witch. <laughs> She's a nurse practitioner. And here was the thing. So when everybody exited the room, that one nurse stayed and told my friend, you have no idea how many seeds you just planted, especially for that doctor that has no explanation for what he just witnessed. And he doesn't necessarily have a belief in God yet. So it's, it's really odd how God will use things to just keep spreading messages. It's not Oh gotcha. my gosh. I, I have had, I, I was raised in, in a, a metaphysical religion that I didn't understand, but it was putting God as all in all. God is all and all good all the time. And there's no opposing force to good. And if they didn't believe in the Adam and Eve myth, they thought it was a, a parable 
which made duality real, which made good and evil real. But if you start with Genesis 1, God created us in his image and likeness. So there is no opposing force. And if you think that way, that's how Christ healed, actually. He didn't look at the evil and, and the withered hand. He saw only perfection. He saw yeah. God's eye view. That's how he, and it's so simple to heal that way. I'm not kidding. I've had many people, many people in this particular religion, which I couldn't understand for years. And I finally went back to study it. And it really just is the premise that all is good. God is all good. And evil is powerful here in this earthly plane when we focus on it intensely and we're, we make it real. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Why are we putting cancer ahead of God? Why are we putting, we're running relay races in cancer's name. We're putting it, making it a huge God. We're making every allergy a God. We're, we're giving it so much attention. We're yeah. empowering our enemies. And I love the quote. I think I came up with this somewhere. Um, I thought I'd read it somewhere, but I couldn't find it by anyone else. And I've written it for years. Withdraw your attention from your enemies and they expire from neglect, which means yeah. our, our worries and our fears are our enemies often. So a disease, when I look it up, I mean, I've had women and people in this other religion I talked about, a lot of friends, cured of leukemia, blindness, blindness. A man awesome. had, was completely blind and he refused to accept it. Another friend was, was called paralyzed from the waist down from a boating accident. And his 16-year-old brain, he was an athlete. He was a very, very active athlete, a football player and a boating guy and a ski, a water skier. He couldn't accept the picture the doctor said to him, you'll never walk again. His mind wouldn't accept it. And sure enough, six months later, he walked. He's fine. Yes. But it's just that we, we allow into our brain so many false beliefs and thoughts. They take over. You have yes. to train your mind like a dog. You wouldn't let your dog peel over the furniture. You don't let your mind run around you know, with crazy ideas. So we keep Correct. our thoughts on God, God's thoughts. Yes. And healing is a byproduct of a, of a lifting of our thoughts toward God's thoughts. Yes. Yeah. It's a higher plane of existence. Yeah. And I love your story. I, I love that, that you, that you had that miracle healing. It's amazing. It was amazing. And that's oh what gives, God. I know. And I just, and I have, it just seems like every day there's an opportunity to see a God shot, see somebody have one, be part of one. And it just, to me, is just the most fabulous journey ever. I get excited. Oh, I get too. excited say what's next what's next it's like a little child you know me too and um, maybe that's why the bible says unless you're like a little child you child. can't to me so it's kind of like you know what i'm good with playing like this <laughs> okay i became childlike when i got sober i became i became obsessed with butterflies i don't know and that came out of the blue when i was in the darkest depression two huge swallowtail butterflies circled my head and I was sitting on my front yard grieving the end of my marriage. And suddenly I was snapped out of my misery by these, this beauty. And I began thinking, well, you know, I've read all these things. Maybe they're my father and my brother who had both died. Yeah. And I, then I just became, in, I just started chasing butterflies. It's a, it's a metaphor for loving the beauty in life. And if you seek the beauty, you'll find it everywhere. Yes. Gratitude is the activator. Gratitude. I started being grateful. Like when I can't get out of my old bad mood, I think of five things to be grateful for. That's a quick way. Gratitude a is a form idea. of prayer. That's a thank, super thank great you. idea. Yeah. yeah. 
But there's so many mysteries that they're left to discover, so many gotchas to share. And I'm looking forward to sharing them with you and bringing them out to people and talking about them publicly and maybe starting a, a show like we're doing. That would be fun. Yeah. Like a weekly show. Yeah. We should be uh, inspiring people more. And, you know, I think that um, I think that our world is so busy and especially now with this virus and um, it's, it's so random. I mean, people aren't really understanding what's going on with the virus and it's like our lives are so busy and work is so busy and people are so busy and now we're going to homeschool and we're going to do a lot of things. And I just think that this is a nice um, opportunity for people to hear the other side, you know, okay. instead of, because I just feel like, you know, maybe it's a lot of doom and gloom right now in our world. And that was my thought when I was putting that website together. I'm like, there's a lot of beauty here. You know, if we can just find it and look at it and capture it and, and share it. And um, like I said, I'm not unique. I'm not unique. And, um, yeah. And I just feel that if I have this happen, so many people do. Maybe they don't have a platform to talk about it, right. you know? And so I would like to help with that. And I'd like to collect more gotchas. Other people have had them and they don't know what they're called or where yeah. to put them, what category. I've been collecting them for years. So I have, like you, hundreds of them. Yes. And I think we should put them together and start really sharing these and try to get people to share them with us. Yeah, I think that would be fabulous. You Life know, is a miracle. It is. And I was 27 years old when I had my first one and oh. my very first one, of course, I didn't know what to call it. And I just thought it was odd, but I was in, I was, um, at that point in time, I was only a registered nurse and, um, mm -hmm. I was in an office in Pittsburgh. I had gone in for my own appointment and my mom was with me. Thank goodness. Because I just felt like my whole body was falling apart. I was actually under a lot of stress with three children and, and the marriage I was in a lot of things were going on. But I was having heart palpitations and all this stuff at the age of 27, which wow. a lot of 20, 30 year olds that are in, you know, with three children and in that type of thing, trying to work, you can understand that anxiety. Oh, but when I went to this doctor's office, this was the weirdest thing. Like he was multi-degreed. And so he was looking at me psychologically as well as physically and endocrinology and all of it, right? Cardiology. And at the end of the day, he said, all oh, your tests are negative. You're good. You're healthy. You, you know, you've got to release some of the stress somehow. And I'm out by his office clerk paying my bill. And he, this doctor who I just met walks up to me and says, the lady in room two wants to see you. Well, I'm completely out of town. I don't know any people that live there. I'm like me. And he's like, yeah, you. And he walked away. So I went to room two. I knock on the door. I open it. She's like, come in. I open it. And there was this little lady. Now I'm 27. She's probably 80. And she's sitting on the table and she had, the only thing I remember, she had a little crooked finger. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, I don't know you. I said, I guess I, I must, you must have the wrong person. And she goes, no, no. She goes, I want to talk to you. And I looked at her and I'm like, do I know you? And she goes, no. She goes, but I'm a visionary. I didn't even know what that meant. I said, what's a visionary? And she goes, I pray to God every morning. And he gives me a vision of somebody that I'm supposed to pray with. Right? So she's like, may I pray with you? And I'm, I'm like kind of weirded out by the whole thing. Actually at that age, I'm going, well, I guess. So she goes, let's hold hands. We held hands. She prayed first time in my life, the spirit, like my feet started getting very, very, very hot. And it just came up through my body and went out through my head. 
And when she was done praying, I kind of looked at her and I was like, what did you just do to me? Like I had never had that experience. Right. And she goes, what happened? And I told her, she goes, honey, that was the Holy spirit. She goes, God is with you. God knows you're, you're okay. You're okay. Let go of the fear and the anxiety. So God always has us covered. Always. Yeah. Whether we realize it or whether we don't. It's like a shadow on the wall. It's like the sun is always shining, whether the curtains are closed or not. I mean, you know, during the daytime, but a shadow on the wall isn't the real evidence. It's the shadow is simply blocking the sun temporarily. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's really beautiful that she prayed with you. There's so many mysteries of the universe that we're not willing to open our hearts to yet. Some people are grad. I have a lot of people that are resistant. Mm -hmm. They don't like the word God. And I remember, um, I never really, I was afraid to use the word God to offend people that, and and that's not what I want to do, but I'm saying there are people who absolutely run away from it because they were raised in a very, very fundamentalist or fear and punishing religion, a religion that taught them that God is is a fearsome God. And that's not it at all. Um, God is love. It's pure love and good orderly direction. And sometimes you have to, you have to start talking to people in a, a different way by attraction, not promotion and showing the miracles. I was one of those people that was just a child. I came alive when I got sober. I was, I felt like I was born again Mm -hmm. and I became a child. I became childlike in my glee and joy. And I'm still that way. And I had some rough years where I forgot. I have some years where I didn't focus on the good and I watched my life become small. And the minute I turn away from that and go back to the beauty, the minute I turn my eye to God again, it's instant. You don't have to sit there and, and, and mourn over the fact that you wasted time. Now is the time of salvation, this very moment we have. It's all we okay. really have right, is right now. And the universe is interactive. It wants to play with us. It wants to show off for us. But we're so focused on the future and the past that we're never in the present moment enough to appreciate all the beauty that's right here in front of us, right here. It's this day. You're absolutely correct about that. Wow. And I I feel like our lives are are miracles. We're walking miracles. But to see evidence of a a chemo burn disappearing or someone coming back from cancer and leukemia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get to see, we get to see a lot of different versions of everything. And, um, you know, and I, I think it's just keeping on, keeping on and realizing, I think you said a really great point, Lydia, when you talked about the fearsome God, because mm. I was raised that way. I mean, oh. I was raised to, um, you know, this statement that my grandparents used and they, they spoke Russian and it was like, Bush is going to get you. <laughs> it, you know, <laughs> and so I always thought God was going to get me. I wasn't sure what he's going to get, but I was always a little bit afraid. And so yeah. I'm certainly glad that God has seen fit, um, or my higher power, whatever you want to call it. Because, you know, I, like I said, I was afraid of God. And when I went into the rooms, I realized it could be a higher power. And I realized, I realized after being in those rooms for a period of time, and I don't know how long I was actually there, that was a gift. Now it wasn't what I expected it to be, you know, back in the day when I got sober, it was dark, dank basement rooms that you got to smoke in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah. A lot of cigarettes. But um, 
you know what? He was there speaking through every single person that I listened to. And um, the amazing journey that I've had with people that I've met all over the world um, sharing stories with me. Uh, it's just, it, it's, just it, it, it's just a great journey. It's just a really great journey. And I'm wow, glad to be sharing like, it with you. You seem like such a happy person and, and, and so vibrant and radiant. And that's, I think, because you're allowing the force to work through you. When I get out of my own way and I get my ego out of the way and I call that edging God out ego, yes. um, my whole day goes better. I'm, I'm wearing the world as a loose garment. Yes. And that, you know, that phrase, um, it's such a miraculous journey. And I can go from, I remember being really obsessed lately with, I had three years of a really bad time, the past three years, taking care of my parents and having a fight with a family member that was very bizarre. And I began analyzing it and looking at psychologists and psychiatrists, and I forgot to go to God with it. And the minute I stopped looking at the problem and just turned love to this person, I kept returning love for hate. Every time I was tempted to be angry at her or retaliate, the past year, I've done contrary action, the very opposite of what I was, my mortal brain wanted to do. I began to think, what would I, what kind of kindness can I give? How can I just shower her with love? And it has changed everything. And it's weird that I had to learn that lesson all over again. I knew this intellectually, but I had to experience it myself to just give up the fight and to stop fighting my enemies, stop thinking I had an enemy. Exactly. And you know what that reminds, and I don't do that perfectly by a long shot because, <laughs> because I really tend to like, you know, when somebody's being nasty, I want to be nasty back and one up them and be like, Hey, you know what, this is really what happened. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, you're talking about scripture again, where scripture comes in and says, turn the other cheek. You know, that's, that's a hard thing to do. And I think that this type of conversation, this God shots, these, you know, these types of connections are really valuable. Um, you know, I have people in my, we, if you will, that I call when I get like that, because I'm like, I can't do it. I can't be nice to this person, you know, and yes. uh, then they talk me through it and it's back to the gratitude and back. Oh, my favorite saying, not really, but I mean, something that my sponsor says all the time. Would you rather be happy or would you rather be right? Right. <laughs> and, and sometimes I'm like, I would just rather be right. <laughs> I love that. I've yeah. got to, I've got to remember that more often. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like Self-righteousness. You can't really convince anybody of anything through words as much as through silent, silent love. I always define prayer as the invisible transfer of love to another. It's a, it's a softer way to explain. Love that. Yeah, because a lot of, I'm not kidding. I have a lot of people that are very, whenever I use the word God, I have a, a one guy in particular who's a Facebook fan, friend. And he says, Lydia, please stop using the word God. It's very offensive to me. And I went, please just open your heart a little bit and realize, substitute the word love, divine yeah. love, or the force of love, the power of love, or, or just simply the gentle presence of peace. And we have to just somehow... I guess not badger people with it, but yeah. lead by lead by our stories, our stories, right. our evidence. I have evidence. I have yeah. evidence of absolute spine tingling miracles. And then I'm beginning to believe that miracles are actually natural law. If you really are aligned with the spirit of God, it's a natural law to experience miracles every day. 
we shouldn't think of them as things that are that are making nature setting aside nature or natural right. law it is natural law to experience peace and harmony and love for your fellow man right and I to agree. really you know yeah and to walk in another's shoes and to feel their pain i feel that's a often important too we all come from such varied backgrounds we really can't know each other's pain and you know when you say that it reminds me of the story that I, I it stayed with me for the past 16 years about the blue baby and i don't know if you've ever heard that story tell me but that, tell us. But that but my sponsor tried to get across to me you know picture yourself in a brand new car brand new shiny car you just spent twenty eight thousand dollars on and you're driving on the highway and somebody comes flying past you at a very fast rate, jumps back in front of you, damages your car, and now you're angry because you're like, you're not getting away with this. And you start chasing them, right? And so you're chasing the car on the highway, on the side streets, trying to just get them to stop because they're going to pay for this car that they just damaged. And you follow them right into the emergency room parking lot and they pull a blue baby out of the back seat. Oh my God. So now how mad are you at that person for what they did? There's always a reason why something, oh. yeah. And so anytime somebody does something to me that aggravates me, I try to think, you know, sometimes I'm walking around going, blue baby, blue baby. <laughs> you know, oh, wow, I, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, so. That's like um, the, the man who wrote the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yes. He wrote about the win-win. And he said, if you were in, in line, impatiently waiting for some, jerk at the front of the line who's taking so much time you know he can't seem to get his order right or whatever and if you knew that person had just lost their their wife that day and his little children were at home alone would you be as rude and impatient as you are you know he's right. trying to make you think of the blue baby always right. think of how you can make people feel more gentle and more calm and even in driving in traffic in la my son once said to me mom why are you trying to scoot through traffic so fast why don't you just drive at a normal pace? It makes everyone around you feel more comfortable. And sure enough, I got there just as fast. My son even came up with that one, so. That's awesome, that's awesome. Yeah. And you know, the story, you just reminded me of another gunshot that I had when my sister-in-law was in the hospital dying of cancer. She had asked me, her feet, her feet were swelling. I mean, she was in the end stages and it was just a few more days before she passed. But I went, the, the nurses told me, you know, go to Walmart, pick up this certain cream that you can rub on her feet that will really help her feel better as she's swelling. So mm. I went to Walmart. I'll never forget this. And I was in line and I was someplace else mentally. You know, you're talking about the person in the front of the line, right? And I was just thinking, and I'm standing there holding this cream and everybody in front of me had gone and I'm holding up everybody behind me because I'm just standing there staring off into space, right? Mm. And this one guy says, are you going to go? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry. And I got up to the counter and the lady directly behind me takes off this necklace, undoes it and hands me a key and just a little skeletal key, little one that I still have on a chain to this very day. And I looked at her and, and she goes, I want you to have this. And she hands me this key. Don't know who she was. Don't know anything about her. And I look at this little skeletal key. She goes, wear this key and always remember that kindness is the key. And then when I oh, looked I at love her, that. she had a pink ribbon for cancer on the front of her shirt. Oh, and I just God. kind of looked at her and told her, thank you. And I wear that a lot. And people will Beautiful. say, well, wear that old key. <laughs> I'm like, because kindness <laughs> is the key, you know, oh, and I have God. to remember that. 
That is the most beautiful story. I have tears in my eyes. This is such a beautiful talk. It really I'm is. I'm so grateful to know you. I have so many stories you reminded me of that I can't wait to share with you about financial godshots when I was at my wit's end with money and out of the blue, so many miracles happened with that. And other people's godshots and after death yeah. godshots. And yeah. So we have a lot more to talk about, but um, what a beautiful conversation. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is this is just really exciting to me, and I'm excited to talk to others and incorporate people into this. And um, yeah, you're a lover. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah. But I had no idea you had had so many beautiful, um, beautiful stories. That I mean, I, I love your website. It's called Godshots360, right? Yeah. Godshots360.com. Yes. Yes, ma'am. And. We're going to start setting up a Godshots show and podcast. It'll be more regular. But do you think we should separate these into sections? Like, or just go with the flow like we are today? I kind of like I think this. go with the flow is fabulous. You know? I do too. And I think that God will work the rest of it out. I do so, too. Yeah. And do you I, have and any I, other things you, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think your idea of being able to put something together like this and allowing people to hear it and saying, what do you think? Is this God or not? Oh, you that's know? exactly how I was going to start the show. It's, um, yeah. you decide, are these, are these miracles or just, uh, just mere coincidence? You decide. Yes. I because love that. I, the evidence, yeah. Because the evidence is so overwhelming that yes. I know there is something way bigger than what we're doing in this little tiny earthly plane or in our little lives when we're focused on problems. And yes. the solution is always when I look away from the problem. And I go back to Einstein because he said, no problem can be solved at the same level it was created on. You have to go to a higher solution. Yes. So that means you can't fight fire with fire. You can't cure alcoholism with more alcohol or drugs. It doesn't, that's replacement. And you can't really solve war with bombs. You have to go to diplomacy. With alcoholism, you have to go to a spiritual solution, which is yes. kind of bizarre when you think about it, that prayer and group fellowship and sharing our pain you cut it you share your pain you cut it in half share your joy you double it there's something yes. about when two or more are gathered in my name there i am and i am yes the great i am meaning there's god not lot, there's so much power there's so much power here and i just think that the time is right i mean i think that people are hurting and um searching and the answer is always in the search. So, um, yeah, this is a good, this is a good time. Great time. I love you. You're such a wonderful woman. I'm so thrilled to know you and yeah, me too. Thanks. Yeah. So we're going to do this hopefully every week. We're going to awesome. set up a schedule. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. perfect.